sermon for this morning is based on Psalm 115. We're going to focus on verse 8. <coughs> the psalmist writes, Those who make them, who make idols, become like them, and so do all who trust in them. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, at times we see some of our young people and young adults go through what could be called the stupid years. Although they've been brought up in a Christian family, they rebel against the instruction of their parents. Although they have a Christian education and attended many years of catechism instruction, they decide that they want to have a taste of what this world has to offer. Instead of accepting God's grace in Christ, they decide to sow their wild oats for a time. They figure that they can have fun for a while, that it'll always be possible to settle down and serve God later on in life. At times we see adults in our midst who are dissatisfied with their lives. They feel like life is passing them by, that in some way they are missing out. So they try to find something new to fill the emptiness of their hearts. Sometimes we focus on money and on what money can buy. We think that if only I had a new car or a better house or an opportunity to go on an exotic vacation, I'd be happy. Sometimes we look for satisfaction in sex or in a new love relationship. Sometimes we seek happiness in the pleasure that alcohol or drugs can give. Our hearts, beloved, are by nature idol-making factories. We're able to manufacture all kinds of things to keep busy with and find satisfaction in. We can get super busy in our families, at work, in pursuing leisure and recreation. Spend lots of time on social media, browsing the web, or watching TV. An idol is anything that displaces God in my heart. Maybe something that's quite harmless in itself, but if it absorbs me, if it takes first place in my thoughts and my affections, then it becomes an idol. Anything that comes into competition with the Lord ruling my heart and life is an idol. There's a big problem when idols take the primary place in our hearts. God calls us to love him with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. He's supposed to be number one in our lives. Do you know how God reacts when we neglect him to serve created things? Sometimes we have the idea that God will punish us if we're unfaithful in our service of him. We think that in some kind of way God will zap us as with a lightning strike from heaven. God is able and free to do as he pleases. Yet his word teaches us that God's most common way of dealing with us is to allow us to suffer the consequences 
of our own actions. This morning our text is taken from Psalm 115. It's a psalm in which the psalmist calls us to give glory to God because of his love and his faithfulness. In this psalm, he compares the Lord with the idols of the nations. Idols are nothing more than images made out of silver and gold. Although they appear to have mouths and eyes and ears and noses, they cannot talk or see or hear or smell. Although these idols have hands and feet, they cannot feel or walk. And then the psalmist makes a very profound statement. He says that those who make idols become like them. So do all who trust in them. The psalmist uses this teaching to call us to worship God, to put our trust in him alone. I preach to you God's word under the following theme. You become what you worship. We'll see how those who serve idols become like them, and how those who worship God become like him. When Israel came out of Egypt, the Lord brought them to Mount Sinai to reestablish the covenant with them. The Lord revealed himself to Israel in a mighty way. The Lord sent thunder and lightning and a thick cloud on the mountaintop. The people heard a very loud trumpet blast. Then the Lord spoke to his people from the top of the mountain. He told them that he was their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He gave them the Ten Commandments so that they would know how they were to live in covenant fellowship with him. One of the things God stressed is that his people were not to make idols. On behalf of the Lord, Moses told them, You have seen for yourselves that I have talked with you from heaven. You shall not make gods of silver to be with me, nor shall you make for yourselves gods of gold. Yet, when Moses was delayed in coming down from the mountain, the people badgered Aaron into making a golden calf for them. The people gathered together to celebrate what Aaron called a feast to the Lord. They tried to serve him through this idol. The Lord was deeply displeased with his people. He said that they had corrupted themselves. He called them a stiff-necked people. He threatened to destroy them. It was only because Moses mediated for them, because of the Lord's faithfulness to his promises, that he relented from doing so. Through the history of Israel, we see that again and again, God's people fell into the sin of idolatry. They served the gods of the surrounding nations, making idols and bowing down to them. Their intention was to serve the Lord, the living God. But when you bow down to idols made in the form of created things, you soon forget about the creator and the preserver of life. God is eternal, almighty, invisible. He is faithful and just and loving. You cannot capture who God is in any kind of an idol. By making an idol, you distort who God is. God's people often resorted to idol worship because they wanted to serve a God that they could manipulate and control. 
but God will not allow anyone to minimize him in that kind of way. Some of the Psalms show this clearly. Think of Psalm 81. The psalmist says, Hear, O my people, while I admonish you. O Israel, would, if you would but listen to me, there shall be no strange God among you. You shall not bow down to a foreign God. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. The Lord promised to provide his people with all they needed. If only they trusted in him. And what was Israel's response? Psalm 81 verse 12 says, But my people do not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. God let them follow their heart's desires, living according to their own ideas. If you think that Baal or Chemosh or Moloch, the gods of the surrounding nations, are such powerful and good gods, well, feel free to worship them. But of course, these gods were nothing more than a figment of the people's imaginations. They didn't really exist. Often when God's people actually ran into trouble, they turned back and they called on the Lord. And many times God answered and helped them in their distress. Yet at times he also chided them for their idolatry. Jeremiah 2.28 is a good example. The Lord said to his people, But where are your gods that you made for yourself? Let them arise if they can save you in your time of trouble. In our text, the psalmist goes even one step further in describing what happens when we turn from the living God to serve idols. He says, those who make them become like them, so do all who trust in them. What our text teaches is that you become what you worship. What were the idols of the nations like? The psalmist describes them in this way. They have mouths but do not speak, eyes but do not see, they have ears but do not hear, noses but do not smell. They have hands but do not feel, feet but do not walk, and they do not make a sound with their throat. In other words, these idols are deaf and dumb and blind and unfeeling. Now listen to what Isaiah 6 verses 9 and 10 says about people who give themselves over to idol worship. Isaiah heard the voice of the Lord saying, Go and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. You see, physically, God's people had ears to hear, and eyes to see, and minds and hearts to process information and to understand things. But their idol worship made them spiritually deaf and blind. It hardened them in the pathways of sin. Beloved, the same applies today. 
God's way of dealing with his people has not changed. We see this clearly in our Bible reading from Romans 1. There we see God's response to people who choose to walk in the pathway of godlessness and wickedness. Paul speaks about the manner in which God deals with them. Paul writes, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. The result is that God gave them over to their sinful way of life. Three times in Romans 1, we read the same refrain. God gave them up. Verse 24, God gave them up in the loss of their hearts to impurity. Verse 26, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Verse 28, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Please understand, beloved, that the phrase God gave them up does not mean that God gives up on his people. It's just the opposite. It means that he tries to get through to them by allowing them to experience the negative consequences of their idolatrous choices. Sometimes the only way that people learn is through bitter experience. We see it happening in life around us. At times, after repeatedly warning them, parents may have to allow their children to make bad choices and to suffer the consequences. Teachers may have to let students fail due to bad study habits. Counselors know that addicts have to hit bottom before they're willing to change. In the same way, God gives people up to their sinful choices so that hopefully They will perceive the harmful consequences of their idol worship. Paul communicates the same message in Galatians 6, verses 7 and 8. He writes, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Actions have consequences, beloved. If you make money or power or sex or prestige into your God, you'll be blinded to the grace and the goodness of God. And more and more, you will dehumanize your neighbor. Consider for a moment some of the idols that many of us tend to live for. Do you live for financial success? Is making money and getting ahead in life what drives who you are? If so, then you will evaluate everything you do by its economic payoff. You won't treat those around you with love and respect. Instead, you'll be busy busy measuring them on the basis of whether or not they're useful for advancing your economic interests. If someone can help you, you'll be their friend, but you'll drop them as soon as they stop being useful to you. Is the most important thing in your life your relationships? Or your physical appearance? Or your professional accomplishments? If your relationships are most important to you, 
You'll give them priority over your service of God by neglecting Bible study to spend time with friends, by skipping church to go to the cottage and spend time with family. Consider what happens when physical appearance becomes the idol of your life. People will get cosmetic surgery done. They'll develop eating disorders, all in an attempt to portray outward beauty. If your professional accomplishments matter most to you, chances are that you'll become a workaholic, that you'll neglect your family in the process. Worshiping idols makes us blind and deaf and stupid. We lose touch with what's happening around us in life. God's importance in our life diminishes. More and more, we cut them out because we have other priorities. Our relationships with those around us suffer. In our pursuit of our own idols, we dehumanize those around us. They become commodities that we use to help us achieve our goals or that we discard when they're no longer useful. Jesus taught us to love God with all our heart and our neighbor as ourselves. When we worship idols, we do the opposite. And our focus on self, on what we want, on what's important to us, we don't honor God or give thanks to him. And we hurt those around us. Romans 1 tells us about the consequences of worshiping idols. It leads to impurity and perversity in the expression of our sexuality. It results in evil, covetousness, malice, envy, murder, strife, deceit, and maliciousness. People become gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. That's what happens when you serve idols and when God gives you over to suffer the consequences of your foolishness. Do you see the pattern, beloved? Of how we reap what we sow? Of how making other things more important than God leads to them taking over our lives? Of the destructive effect that this has? What are the idols in your life? Where might you be in danger of giving something priority in your life above God? Please, beloved, don't just dismiss this question. Our sinful hearts are idol-making factories. There are so many ways in which the devil and our sinful flesh tempt us. Each of us is susceptible to displacing God by things we consider more important to us in life. You cannot fight the good fight of the faith unless you know where your weaknesses are. And if you're serving idols, you'll become like them. Come to our second point. And we'll see how those who worship God 
become like Him. Psalm 115 begins by calling us to worship God. The psalmist says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and faithfulness. After contrasting the living God with deaf and dumb idols, the psalmist calls his people to trust in him. He issues this call. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The message of the psalm is clear. Don't serve idols. Worship the Lord. Don't trust in yourself and your man-made gods. Put your trust in God alone. Why? Because the Lord is our help and shield. For many generations, the Lord has walked in covenant fellowship with his people. He's demonstrated his love and his faithfulness to them. The Lord delivered them from slavery in Egypt. He protected them from their enemies. He provided all their needs during their wilderness sojourn. He gave them the land of Canaan, driving out the nations before them. When Israel walked in covenant fellowship with the Lord, he blessed them. He multiplied them in number. He granted them victory over their enemies. He provided abundant crops and multiplied their flocks and herds. Even in times when his people were unfaithful, God was merciful and gracious. It's true that at times he allowed them to suffer the consequences of their actions. Yet when they cried out to him for help, God answered them. He delivered them from their distress. That's why the psalmist confesses, the Lord is his people's help and shield. Same applies to us, beloved, in an even fuller and richer way. The manner in which God delivered Israel from slavery in Egypt and blessed them with abundance in Canaan is a picture of the spiritual blessings that he has granted us in Christ. Christ came into this world to deliver us from the cause of our eternal hunger and misery, which is sin. He was willing to give his life to suffer and die on the cross for us to redeem us from our sins, to restore us to fellowship with our Father in heaven. And that's not all. By His Spirit, Christ also blesses us with every blessing in the heavenly places. He regenerates us, causing us to be born again. He grants us union with Christ. He renews us day by day that more and more we're enabled to love and serve God. Our hearts are changed so instead of being self-seeking and self-serving, we learn to make God number one in our lives. And we learn to love and respect our neighbor. When you serve idols, you become increasingly blind and deaf and unfeeling. You lose sight of the spiritual realities of life. God diminishes in importance, and our tendency is to dehumanize those around us. Instead of appreciating people, and getting to tr truly know them and loving them, we tend to use them to attain our own needs and desires. But that changes 
when you learn to know your God, and when you love and serve Him. Those who love God have a much deeper appreciation for their fellow man. For we see others around us as being created in the image of God. When our hearts are focused on money or sex or power or appearance or any other idol, we'll manipulate people and use them to attain what we want. Yet when we worship God and serve Him, we'll learn to do what He wants. God teaches us that because He has first loved us, we are to love one another. John writes, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. As we learn to devote our hearts and lives to God, he helps us show forth true love to our neighbor. In Psalm 115, we see what happens when God's people fear the Lord and put their trust in him. The psalmist writes, The Lord has remembered us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both the small and the great. The Lord's remembering of his people is not simply mental recollection. When God remembers, he acts in faithfulness to his covenant promises. Those who trust in the Lord are assured that God will bless them. It doesn't matter if the world considers you to be important or worthwhile. God will bless those who fear him, both the small and the great. The Lord's life-giving blessing becomes visible in the increase he grants from one generation to the next. The psalmist writes, May the Lord give you increase, you and your children, God has built his kingdom, his church, through the generations. The primary manner in which he does that is through the family. God grants the blessing of children. He uses covenant parents to bring up their children in the fear of his name. One of God's greatest blessings is that he grants fruitfulness, not just in giving children, but in working in them so that they may bear fruit to the glory of his name. At the end of Psalm 115, we see a final contrast between those who serve idols and those who worship God. The psalmist writes, The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Idolaters are pictured as sitting in a choir of corpses with open mouths that do not produce any sound. Their destination fits their lifestyle. They not only fail to praise the Lord, but they go down into silence. Silence means no further revelation from God and no response from them. Their end is death, meaninglessness, nothingness. But notice the contrast. We will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Those who trust in the Lord, their help and shield, will never cease praising Him. Life lived in the service of the living God 
overcomes death. Instead of going down into silence, we'll be allowed to go home to be with the Lord, praising him forevermore. Beloved, we began by speaking about young people going through what could be called the stupid years, figuring they could sow their wild oats for a time before they settled down sometime later to serve God. We considered adults who are dissatisfied with their lives, feeling like life is passing them by and grasping new things to fill the emptiness of their hearts. Our text gives us fair warning that those who serve idols become like them, blind and deaf and dumb and unfeeling. You begin to live a sinful way of life, changing is not easy. For more and more, you'll be enslaved by your sinful hearts. We may be thankful for God's mercy and goodness. Out of his great love for us, there's times when he gives us up to our sins so we can suffer the consequences of them. God's purpose in this is not to punish us, to wake us up. See, beloved, God does not give up on his covenant children. Not even when they rebel against him. Instead, he tries to get through to them by allowing them to experience the negative consequences of their idolatrous choices. The Bible is clear. We reap what we sow. The one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Beloved, how will you go forth in your life? Serving idols or worshiping the living God? Choose life, not death. Amen. In response to the gospel message, let's rise and sing together from Psalm 135, stanzas 7, 8, and 10.